Again, you asked me this last night, and I said no. And this <laughs> tonight, I still feel like no is the right answer. Hey, ask me, ask me, ask I mean, me. They even talk about how pretty his face is in this movie. Ask, ask me, yeah. John, how do you feel about it? Well, no. Do I ask me if I remember a time? Do you remember? No. <laughs> Come on. He was. What was his name? Bill Pullman. No, in in Spaceballs. Oh. Yeah. Um, is this just going to be our horrible intro of Do you remember this thing that he was in? Are you just you seriously just looking up who he played in Spaceballs now? Yeah, because I want to remember. I honestly um, don't remember. Oh, I should know. Like why? Like right now, my brain is just shouting. Oh, it's Star Lone Lord Star. at me. Lone Star. Oh my god. Oh, god. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, we fail. That's great. Yep. Yep. Lone Star. Hi and welcome to Behind the Hype. With me, your host is always Brian Dressel. With me, as always, is Chewy Darso. Hello. And Jonathan Hardesty. Hi. <laughs> Uh, so we, we had to take a bit of an impromptu break, and I'm not going to get into the details of why we had to take such an impromptu break, but it was uh, it was necessary, and now it's uh, now it's done, and everyone is good, which is great. Thanks um, for covering for me. I, I broke the podcast. Sorry. Ah, damn it, John. Uh, if you listen to Binge Buddies from uh, I think next week, uh, yeah, on this upcoming Monday, is that coming Monday? Yeah, yeah. No, last week, last week's Binge Buddies. Mm. I give a brief explanation. It's timey wimey stuff going yeah. on here. Man, I'm recording three podcasts today, so it's just, it's a lot. Um, but yeah, so I gave a very brief explanation there that I could have in the amount of time I've been doing this, but you know I'm not going to. So uh, so yeah, if you want to hear where I went, there you won't find out there either. But uh, <laughs> I'll be a little <laughs> bit nicer than I am uh, being here. Where I'm just like I don't want to talk about it anymore. Let's get going. Um, uh, and speaking the content we crave. <laughs> speaking with that same sort of uh, veracity, uh, John and I and Chewy we're kind of chatting like, all right, so now that we're done with that thing uh let's get back to recording should we get back to donner it doesn't really feel right anymore like we've moved so far past it it's been like a month i think we should just start the next month and uh that's what we're gonna do uh so you know kind of sad to let richard donner month go i was having fun with it um i I think he's a great director and he's very sorely missed Uh, i just i was so out of sync with that series it just kind of felt best to move on uh, and I think both John and Chewie agreed. So, mm-hmm. so here we are. In yeah. Hello. The horror movie month, which we always like to do here, but B-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b-b this time, B-sides. yeah, B-sides. you know, behind the <laughs> behind the hype. So we're doing bubble bubble B sides. Bubble If that doesn't make any sense to you, of course, why would it? Allow me to explain. Uh, we decided to take a look at famous horror movie directors: Wes Craven, uh, Guillermo del Toro. I think we're going to throw in a George A. Romero one. Uh, and all these people are known for very famous big movies, um, but they, that's not all they made. They made a lot of stuff that either wasn't very good, or maybe if you don't see it, it was pretty good. You know, the B-sides, you know, not the hits. And we're going to spend uh, October-ish, uh, since we're recording this in September, talking about those. The the ones that didn't quite connect. And uh, we're starting things off at, well, maybe I should clarify. If you are a horror movie aficionado if you love horror films if you subscribe to shutter uh when i'm talking b-sides you're gonna know all of these i uh, <laughs> i'm not here to try to pull something crazy out of the woodworks of horror movies you've never heard of i'm just kind of going for the the more off the well well-worn path 
those right, sorts right. of horror movies. Yeah, uh, they're, they're never going to be the first thing that's mentioned in any conversation about these filmmakers, but they might be the second or third. Exactly, yeah. Like, like, I'm not trying to pick something uber obscure, but, you know, still not something that, like your first thing. When you think of Wes Craven, you might go Scream. You might go Nightmare on Elm Street. You're probably not going to go Wes Craven. Oh, yeah, Serpent in the Rainbow. You might have seen it. You might have heard of it, but that's not going to be your Wes Craven movie. And that's kind of how we ended up here today mm-hmm. with Serpent and the Rainbow. Had uh, either one of you, I know had not seen it. John, had you seen this one? No, no, I've only seen the cover before at like rental like video stores and things like that and been like, oh, cool, and then moved on. Yep. It's kind of a freaky cover. Yeah. Like, little, little uncomfortable. And they didn't really use like fucking any other cover. When you look up any art from this movie, it's always the Bill Pullman with the white face reaching out of the casket. Ah. Don't bury me. I'm not dead. Um, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> I hate that. I, I feel happy. Both times I saw this movie, that's what went through, through my head during that supposed to be climactic, very scary scene. And all I hear is, I'm not dead yet. I feel happy. <laughs> <laughs> totally ruins it. I could go uh, for a dance. <laughs> but Chewie, uh, since I'd seen this, I, I'd already kind of my opinion on it, which was uh, I liked it. I, I didn't love it, but I liked it. That was a good watch. I, I, I might feel a little differently now. Um, but my first watch, that's where I was. Uh, where, where are you guys on it now? I just... You were kind of annoyed throughout the majority of because it. Because I'm used to loving his movies. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> this is Wes Craven, who I've generally always defended as being a very good director. I'm like, this movie makes no sense. No. It, it's paced terribly. The editing is terrible. Things happen, and then they go, and you're like, what was that for? <laughs> <sighs> yeah. There, yeah. There's yeah. quite a bit of, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm like, well, I was just there to look at our boobs and no other reason. Well, yeah, that, that's that sex scene. <laughs> that goes on too long. Yeah, you know a sex scene's having a problem when I can look at my wife and go, so this is still happening. <laughs> uh, John, John, what do you think? Uh, this movie kind of tried my patience throughout. And I, I think it ended up boiling down to like the pacing. I just, I could never get into a rhythm with this thing and... The whole time I'm like, what's going? What's what's this now? Like he's back here again? Like how many times is he gonna go back and forth between Haiti and the U.S.? Like Jesus, only once. He, I mean, he well, he doesn't. He, he's in a different country at the beginning of this movie. Yeah, I think it's twice. Oh, t- twice. Yeah, because yeah, I think the first country. Yeah, he's not in Haiti in the beginning of the movie. So and then he, he leaves, and then he comes back. Yeah, and then he leaves and comes back. So he only does it. But either way, I see what you mean. Like it's like, yeah, it's the travel is weird in this and the like you said the pacing and just i don't know there the, every part of this kind of prevented me from enjoying it too much which to be generic about it i guess yeah see for me i i kind of allow myself at least a little on the first watch i should say because the second watch i'm more in both of your camp than i was the first time but on the first time, I, I knew nothing about this. I didn't even seen the cover art. Like when I said we're gonna do a Wes Craven battle, and I picked, I think I picked Scream. Um, I was all excited to talk all these Wes Craven movies, and then when this one was brought to the table, I'm like, what the fuck is that? So like, I just I had no idea what to compare it to, or what to be excited or not excited for. So I kind of got swept up into the whole thing, and like my number one fear. Of death, like absolute number one fear of death is being buried alive. Like the idea, the concept of it freaks me out 
so bad. Like I, I get so freaked out in the theater watching Kill Bill. Is it two where she gets buried yeah, alive? Yeah, two buried alive. I had yes. to leave the theater. Like I couldn't sit there and watch it. Like it was, it was too much. Um, so maybe that mixed with like I didn't know what I was expecting kind of kept me through my first viewing. Because when they finally do bury him alive, that scene is brutal. The, yeah. the special effects in this movie are very good. Yeah, they work. Like the the horror elements of this movie, like the the Wes Craven of it all, I think all works. Yeah, uh, I yeah. think like the practical effects work, like the the very the nightmare stuff, all is just wonderful. Like I love um maybe we should do a breakdown. Like I'm starting to start picking out scenes and like, oh, that's not going to make any <laughs> We're diving sense. right in we're, we're yeah. jumping right in. <laughs> uh let's let's here, I can do a very very brief breakdown. Um so the Serpent in the Rainbow is about a gentleman who is a pharmaceutical, I'll go with aide or researcher. He basically goes to uh, non-developed countries that are using like some sort of medicine to fix something. And they usually consider it magic or voodoo or whatever it is. And he comes in and is like, nope, this is science and we can use this to cure whatever it is. And I'm going to take that. I'm going to give you some whatever you consider money and I'm going to go on my merry way. And I just made a shitload of money and my pharmaceuticals are doing great. And he learns about a drug that will turn you, or at least what he is assuming is a drug that turns dead people to alive people, AKA zombies, but they're not zombies. They like to throw the word zombie around a lot in this movie, even though there isn't a single zombie in it, um, which is fine. Uh, so he goes to Haiti to find this drug that he thinks is a drug. Turns out it is a drug that basically paralyzes you and shuts down as much of your body as it possibly can without killing you and making sure you are still fully aware and awake of what's happening around you. But to any other person looking at you, that's a dead guy. Um, and then after about 12 hours, it wears off. I'm not sure what this drug could be used for. It would not work as an anesthesia. It'd really fuck you up. Um, I mean, but, not the one in the movie, but the actual thing. Yeah, it'd be really, really fucked up. But anyhow, so he finds that drug, and while in Haiti, he pisses off a whole bunch of people because, you know, he's showing up, I guess. Uh, and he's more so one guy. Yeah, he, he's there, and I guess that's a hellworthy trespass, right? Yeah, I, I never yeah. like figured out why the the not president of Haiti really fucking hated him, but he really hated him for some reason. But that guy practices voodoo and he can get into his mind and give him nightmares in the middle of the day or in the night, uh, and he just starts really fucking with him, and then he tells him to get the fuck out of Haiti, so he does. And then he's like, oh, wait, no, I forgot that chick that I banged that one time. I should go back for her. And the guy torments him oh, yeah, he in also, the States for reasons. Yeah, he's like, get the hell out of Haiti. So he does. And he's like, I'm going to torture you. Wait, what? <laughs> but I got out. So I'm going to go back. Yeah, I thought I did what you wanted. Like, yeah. Aren't we, aren't we square? Are we simpatico here? Let's, what's this? Oh, you, you can see why we, we might have a problem with this one. Uh, so he goes back. He gets buried alive. He gets unburied alive by one of the guys who had also gotten buried alive at some point, who then is just cool living in a graveyard for some reason. Um, and then uh, <laughs> I guess that's kind of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then they have like a battle of wills at the end and – just like involves a scrotum stabbing, and then he saves. Oh, I the forgot. Day him. I, I pushed the scrotum stabbing. I, I fucking love. Penis. I mean, I guess it could be either or. They don't really show or describe. They just show a nail going through his crotchal reason, yeah. and then he doesn't have a problem with the guy who put the nail in the crotch, or the nail, or the hammer, or really anything. But he took it very personally that, that chair was involved. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that chair can go to hell. That chair can go to hell and die. 
and, and it's one of the more curious. Th- Are you mad at the guy who put the nail through your penis? No, but fuck that chair. Yeah. I really hate that chair. And then through all of this, you have the female character who just kind of gets tossed around. <laughs> well, she's there character. to uh, either be thrown at a wall or to be had sex with. Yeah, she right. really does nothing else. No. She doesn't it, even help him find anything. He does it all on his own, really. Yeah, yeah I was surprised I mean, at her Does she uh, introduce name. him to Mozart, the guy who makes the thing for him? No, the, the police chief from Terminator 1 does that. Oh. So, yeah, she does nothing. Yeah, she's there to, to be thrown into walls and to be had sex with. Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised, uh, I'm surprised her name in the cast list isn't, like, female character. For how... Uh, girl. <laughs> girl. <laughs> to, to get into some details of this movie, whenever they want to, quote-unquote, turn you into a zombie, this one guy comes up to you randomly and blows powder in your face. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of like being subpoenaed for court or whatnot. <laughs> Uh, getting served. He just comes up, serves you, and right. leaves. I don't know who served you papers, but they did it wrong. Uh, uh, <laughs> just blow uh, a stack of papers in your face. But, and that's another thing that doesn't really make any sense with uh, the female character. Because uh, at one point they're at this like party, which is like voodoo sideshow sort of things of people like eating glass and putting needles through their faces it seems like something they're doing for tourists it is something they're doing for tourists uh, they they, ex- they don't blow her with the uh, the zombie dust they blow her with zombie dust the, the dust to be possessed and they say she's very open to possession but why oh because well they had the dust so they just decided she... to do this so she could wiggle her bits for a moment i mean the cleaning lady had she dust with on monday <laughs> Because all it does, they, they blow the stuff in her face as she's trying to leave the party. Yeah, she's like, I'm done with this party. Uh, like, and then she comes back and does a sultry dance. And then another guy gets mad at uh, the bad guy for clinking some glass. And then he starts trying to attack her. And the Bill Pullman gets to save her, I guess. You know, sometimes we do these episodes. And at the end of it, like, <laughs> you know, I didn't really like it. And in the end, I'm like, I actually kind of like it now. And then every now and then it's like, you know, I kind of liked it. By the end, I'm like, this isn't very good anymore. Yeah. Like, this is definitely the latter. <laughs> I mean, that's why, like, the whole time you're telling me, like, I kind of like it. I'm like, there's no reason for any of this to happen. Okay. Well, here. Then then let me go with this. I like it because I love the horror elements. So, like, the horror elements in this movie work so well for me that the rest of it that just blatantly does not work, I can kind of forget about. Like I, I love the way Wes Craven does nightmares because he does nightmares in a way that legitimately feel like nightmares. Yeah. Like as somebody oh, yeah. who is very prone to nightmares, like Wes Craven is better than anyone at putting that on screen. It's almost as if he, you know. Well, yeah. There's the on Elm or just based his movies off nightmares, which is also <laughs> <Yeah>. true. Like, <laughs> there's the um the the lady in the wedding dress, the skeletal uh, yeah. woman, as she reaches out and she's like. Ah, ah. And then she reaches out, and the snake jumps out of her mouth, and she pulls her jaw open, and like all those elements, I'm just like, well, this is where, okay, I get, I get that for this movie. I get why you wanted to do this with all yeah. that imagery you're doing. And then when Bill Pullman is running through the cells, the jail cells, and all the hands reach out, but like in the same way that you would get from Nightmare on Elm Street, just like way, way out there to grab him. Yeah. And you're like, this is this. That's where I saw the kind of the potential here that was very evocative and very scary and very unnerving or for, but, for me like the the first time he has that nightmare where he ends up getting buried alive where like it, you oh, don't really yeah. know it's a nightmare first and then like you realize 
as it's going, like, oh, shit, he's in a coffin. And, like, the coffin starts closing in around him, and then the casket part comes down on top of the coffin, and then you see the bad guy through it who's like, hello, Bill Pullman, and it's like... like <laughs> that's clearly not the line but it's it's such an effective moment and like it, it takes you from feeling totally fine to claustrophobic and fucked in all of like 10 seconds and it's super effective and then you throw that on top of the next time he talks to the guy he's like did you sleep well last night i know you didn't because i was in your dreams and i caused all of that it's like oh man yeah. there are things in this movie that really work and they should have done that more and had more yeah. explanation for all the other things sure because yeah. most of the time with the bad guy i was just like okay so we're doing this stuff and he's told to not trust that man and then suddenly at one point he goes back to his hotel room and there's a, a hanging dead pig and a bunch of stuff god i forgot written about on that. his walls and you're there for like split second and he runs and suddenly bill pullman's doing parkour getting out of his hotel room <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> Parkour. And, and then we're done with that. Yeah. We never go back to that. He never goes back. Uh, yeah. And that just leads into the excuse for him to follow these people worshiping the Virgin Mary into the woods and then have sex with the, fe- the lead female character. Yeah. And, I mean, well, although, to like be that, fair, to, all my to, praise to, is fucking worthless. <laughs> yeah. No, well, to be fair, if you see, if I saw that, I'd be, you know, I, I'd peace out of that scene and just never go back to it. Like, no, but there's no, like, there, but there's no explanation. Yeah. There's no or... explanation. So he's being. So why is this? I never got the exact reason of why he's intimidating Bill Pullman so much. And if the end goal is for him to get Bill Pullman to leave the country, why are you doing all this other crap when you're eventually just going to throw him on a plane, anyways? And then once he leaves the country, why are you not letting it go? Like, why are you torturing him in the States? And, and it's one of those things where, like, there, there's a bit of suspension of disbelief that comes into any horror movie. Like, you, you just kind of need it. Like, you just, mm-hmm. you need it. And when movies start fucking up left and right, and fucking up is a very, very rude way to put it, but I'm going to stick to it. Um, it starts kind of bumping up against that suspension of disbelief, like, when we're sitting here asking these questions of why is your villain doing this, that, and the other, then you've dropped the ball somewhere else. Yeah. Because, like, that means that we're sitting here thinking about other things. Like, like if this was a truly effective horror movie and I was into it with all the nightmare stuff I was talking about earlier, when that stuff ends, I wouldn't care that the rest of it didn't make sense because the rest of it works so well. Instead, I just say that that stuff saves it for me disliking the movie. I guess that's better than nothing. I always, and for me, I always need, if you're going to give me this evil person, you don't need to tell me why they're evil, but you need to give me some idea of why they're doing the evil things they're doing. Because just telling me they're doing evil things for evil's sake, that only works when they're like a serial killer or just a psychopath. Or like a demon. Like yeah. something just completely like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Like I- something that its essence is just evil you're giving me this person who's a politician but also a veto voodoo priest yeah so to me this is a guy who's kind of a thinker probably and is wants to retain power why is he just doing all this random crap like that that doesn't work for me with how you establish what his character is supposed to be it's the same thing like when we watched conjuring 3 i'm like why is this woman doing this to any of these people? Like, yeah. you never gave me a freaking reason. So I don't, it makes no sense to me. And then we see the scope of his evilness at the, only at the very end, when with all those jars of souls mm-hmm. and things. It's like, well, that's too late. 
to get us this information. Is, like, does he collect yeah, souls? Yeah, it's not that, that gives him power. So why does he need Bill Pullman's soul? I wouldn't even go so far as to say it was too late. It's that it's not enough. Like this is a fine time for a reveal, but it's just I have jars of souls. Why are, are yeah, you collecting like, them? Like, do you, if you get like you have thirty five souls, if you get to forty, do you get like a free forty first soul? Like, what's going on? Yeah. Like, what what are you doing? And why does Bill Pullman's matter? To, yeah, it never established is he trying to become more of a political entity? Because eventually they show the political unrest in the country yeah. where their uh, president is fleeing or the prime minister is fleeing the country, and the guy looks nervous that the peasants are uprising or whatnot and if he's supposed to be this powerful guy i'm like did he not want this did he not want this unrest to somehow take advantage of it did he want these other people to stay in power like i don't know and like why are you even showing us that the prime minister is leaving if it has absolutely no importance to the storyline well right and then the idea of like the whole zombie idea that they're going with with voodoo is like bodies that aren't in control of themselves anymore you control the bodies well if there's unrest that's like lots of bodies and aren't you control like so then you start asking questions about like well what's the purpose of this practice if it's just like a collector what's the point of the unrest like why show us so much of it unless it's just setting flavoring but that, that just feels so dismissive of what's going on there during the time of the movie right yeah like it, it leads to so many other questions and then you're realizing the movie's over and you're like oh i didn't actually watch the rest of the movie because i'm so wrapped up in like well why what the hell is this for i actively start getting annoyed in horror movies when i'm suddenly finding myself asking too many questions yeah it's like a similar reaction that we had during malignant where it's just like man yeah. i'm really enjoying this james wan good jo- wait why is this happening wait what well wait, I, uh, the biggest problem i had with malignant was when the police officer was chasing her through the lower areas and then he got stuck in the lower areas and we never got to see him, you know, try to find his way out, which he should have been super lost. And then the rest of the next scene should have been like, hey, our detective went missing. That would have made more sense. Yeah. I, I'm just still, you know, I'm still salty that there's no, you know, thanks to Venture Brothers at the end of it. But, you know, that's me. Um... <laughs> and also, well, I yeah. just decided I want to go to Seattle to see this lower area stuff. I've never heard of it before. The malignant. Was it real? Did you look I it up? I didn't even look at it if it was real. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know um uh, but yeah no it was it's it's also frustrating too that like because I, I like the idea the z- idea that they're putting forth with the zombie thing because movies have done it in the past um like uh, i walked with a zombie or white zombie where the idea is that with voodoo you you lose control of your body but you're aware of losing control to what you were saying brian earlier about being like uh scared of being buried alive tied to that is also not being in control of your body anymore losing yeah. your agency and that's the whole like this 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 version of what zombies are is that's kind of what that's going for and i when i kind of realized that this was what, that's what it was going to be about i kind of got excited because like oh this will be unnerving in that way it'll fully exp- like it'll explore that more and no barely barely anything with the zombie stuff other than just being buried alive which unnerving but like there's a whole realm of horror that you could do with this zombie idea that oh, just yeah. never comes to fruition. And like, you kind of are waiting for that because that's what they hint at in the beginning of the movie. Well, it kind of gives you this feeling that you're going to deal with maybe not, you know, zombies because it becomes pretty clear pretty quick. There's like, oh, this isn't a zombie movie. Like, it's clearly a voodoo movie, but uh, whatever. I'm, I'm along for the ride. But it kind of gave me this idea in the beginning. Like, when they find the first guy that they are there to see, like, well, he died. He went into the ground, and now he's walking around a cemetery. Like, so what the fuck happened? 
what I was hoping they were going for, at least my first viewing, was like, oh, so he remembers being dead and his life is now worthless because, oh, God. Like, and, like, that's what I thought they were going for. Like, oh, that's kind of a really cool idea. Yeah, like these Buffy people... already did it better. I mean, a lot of I mean, people she, have done it she before. did it because it happened way after this movie. Yeah, I mean, but it, this movie came out in 88. It was pre-Buffy. Um, um, that's what he's... But other people have done that sort of storyline, too. But I like that storyline. Like, that's kind of an interesting thing to do. And I, I feel like maybe that's my biggest problem with this movie is that it's chock full of things. Where like, oh, I like that. That's really... Oh, you're not doing that. Yeah. Oh, I like that. That's really cool. Oh, you're not doing that one either. What are you doing? Um, we got Bill Pullman in a box. <laughs> I like Great. the scene where before he stabs his penis about how they talk about how pretty Bill Pullman's face is. You're really on this Bill Pullman being a very he handsome. He was an attractive man when he was younger, and then he got to be our president, and then you know what? He was also the dad in Casper, and after that, he's just not attractive anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Once you go, dad, <laughs> you're not so glad, I guess. That was horrible. <laughs> he dies. And then she's just alone with the ghosts. No, he comes back to life. Does he? Yeah. Oh, they they put him in the unghost machine. Oh. Yeah. Do you not remember Casper the no, Rapey Ghost? I don't remember that part. God, when we rewatched Casper, that was a long time ago. Like, that's after the hype. Like, OG, like, we were on the floor recording on a, on a microphone episode, like, that long ago. But, man. That rewatch was rough. Okay. So talk about a franchise they don't even bother to try to bring back anymore. Why would they? Uh, All right, what have we missed in uh, Serpent and the Rainbow? Uh, I, I, clearly, I think I'm walking away as the biggest fan of it, even though I'm still kind of like, it was fine. I mean, yeah. I like the horror aspects of it. If I could only watch like the last 20 minutes of the movie, like to me, that would be the best movie. Everything leading up to it... Uh, I just I was frustrated. The like the pacing is terrible. So when you have bad pacing, you have storyline pieces that don't pay off or don't go anywhere, or don't make any sense, and you have characters with no real motivation. I'm like, you're not going to keep me. Yeah, yeah. and you have to string the the story together with voiceover too. Like, oh yeah, random inconsistent voiceover. It also yeah. doesn't really track that. Like sometimes it feels disjointed. Like, is this what we're seeing? Yeah. You know, one thing we did totally forget to mention is you know Alfred is in this movie, so that does give it a little bit of a bump as well. Yeah. I mean, this is just his little. He looks like he's just having a little fun in between serving Batman. Yeah, Batman's out doing something, so we got yeah. to do get that fun for a minute. Hey, John, you know what, was yeah. there anything that we missed that you wanted to talk about beyond uh, Alfred not being in this or not being mentioned? No, I mean, we could probably harp on the, the, the pacing over and over again and take another hour if we wanted to just complain about it. Because, yeah, no, it it felt longer, the movie, than it was. Than an hour 38? It certainly does. And, and, yeah, it's just, A, the asking the questions and also, like, skipping things that are there that are interesting, but then moving on and then long stretches of kind of not much going on and then the scary thing. I don't know. Just, it feels like um, start stopping a lot. Like, Oh, okay, here we go. Oh, okay, pause. Hurrying up to wait sort of deal. And just that back and that <laughs> pumping the brakes in a car over and over again, you're just kind of bouncing back and forth. That's not fun. And that's kind of what this movie was, just hitting the accelerator a little bit in the car and then pumping the brakes just over and over again until everyone in the car hates you. 
Oh, my son just yelled at me the other day about that. Like, <laughs> cryingly yelled at me. Like, he was tired, and he was tired of doing that. No more back and forth! <laughs> That's like, this movie. <laughs> That's really this movie. It, it, it's As soon as something interesting happens, we have to adjust the pacing and, and stop. We have to, like, so many stops in this movie that it just becomes a frustration to watch. And by the end, it's... Like I had, had to kind of explore why I felt kind of annoyed after watching it. The credits roll. I'm like, hmm, this is frustrating. I wonder what's going. Oh yeah, the pacing. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> Off to a good start for horror movie, horror director B movie list or B. God, B sides. Why do I make titles so hard to say? Why do I do this to myself? This is B B B sides. B B B sides. B B B sides. All right, let's do this. Let's move into uh, quotes and or moments. I'll take whatever you got because uh, there's not a lot of quotes in this one. Mine actually is a quote because I think it's the best thing in the entire movie because it's the only thing that actually makes me like <laughs> – and it's actually from the box art too, Like, it, so everyone knows it. But it is a line from the movie. It's a little different in the movie. But uh, it's when he's been he's been blown, if you will, uh, and he's walking around like, fuck, they're going to think I'm dead. They're going to think I'm dead. I need to get somewhere where they won't find me and bury me because they're going to think I'm dead. This is a problem. And his body's just shutting down and he's running away and he lands in the ground and he says, don't let them bury me. I'm not dead. And it's like, God, he sells that moment. Like I, I've never been Bill Pullman's number one fan by any stretch. Yeah, I, I like Bill clearly Pullman. Clearly like Bill Pullman more than you. Most people do. I. Uh, but he sells the hell out of that moment. Like I, I think that moment's really good. The line's good. He does a lot of physical acting in this movie. He actually apparently he worked with a shitload of animals too that were all I looked up in IMDb trivia. They had uh, they're all the animals he interacted with, including the spider walking on his face. I would have pooped myself. Um, <laughs> yeah. That, that... It didn't look real to me at all. Maybe no, that maybe like it's a the one. Aesthetic face. Maybe the one that was in his chest. Either way, he had a real tarantula. He worked with the jaguar. All the animals in it, he worked with, but they're all born in captivity and were rather docile. Mm. I want to know why they said rather docile. Because they probably drugged them. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that's probably something. Kind of like too. how they do it whenever you go to Asia and you're like, I got a picture with a tiger, and everyone else is like, you know that tiger was drugged, right? You know that's torture. Yeah. Yep. Oh, the 80s. No, they Yay. still do that to them. I'm talking about this movie. We don't need to keep being a huge bummer. <laughs> Sorry. See, the B stands for bummer. Anyone listening B-sides. who goes someplace and thinks it's cute to do that, it's wrong. I mean, it really is. There's a whole documentary about it yeah. that we can't talk about on this show. Uh, quote, and our movie? Uh, or moment? My God, I can't My talk favorite moment in this movie is when Bill Pullman shows us his Patronus. In case anyone forgot about that moment in the oh, end of this yeah. movie when he's fighting the bad guy and suddenly a big uh, ghostly vision of a jaguar appears in front of him as if he's going to launch that jaguar out to attack the bad guy. I can't believe you just made a Harry Potter joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one who likes Harry Potter. <laughs> Bill Pullman has a Patronus. You're not wrong. And that just pops up out of nowhere and never is acknowledged or really... Oh, they did. mentioned it earlier in the movie that he's a spirit animal and it's a jaguar. Oh, they did? Yeah. I thought yeah. it was just... Yeah, don't you remember when he has like, the whole scene where he's like rolling around in the yeah, ground? Yeah, but I thought that was just you know people being like, ha, we no. gave him drugs. No, that's him meeting a spirit animal. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah and they're right. frolicking, you know, yeah. Lion King style. Can you feel the love tonight? Uh, Whoa. I, I didn't get that. John watched a different cut of this movie. <laughs> I saw the frolicking up until the end of the frolicking. John's up post-frolicking. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, favorite quote-ish, moment-ish thing? 
Yeah, I've got. Uh, it's more of a quote because, despite all that we've complained about, the guy who plays the villain, uh, Petrod, uh, his delivery of some of these lines were actually pretty good. Um, oh yeah, he's what a he's great about actor. to. The line, um, "You see it all, you'll feel it. The cold in the coffin, it's worse, much, much worse." I'm like, yeah, I believed that. Like that was a line I was like, okay, we know the burial's coming, and just him saying it that way, it's like, ah, yeah, no, this is gonna suck. Yeah, I like that they did throw that one line earlier where it's like, oh, yeah, we use this graveyard because they never bury him too deep in this graveyard. Wink. (laughs) We never know. It's not hard to get out of these graves. (laughs) Right, right. God, Uh, God, I don't think I like this movie anymore. God damn it. (laughs) Sorry. Oh, well. Uh, so with that in mind, what are we going to watch this movie with? Double features. Uh, I mentioned it earlier, and I think it would be you watch this first and be like, oh, okay, and then watch the other one and be like, okay, I, I can see it. Uh, the I Walked With a Zombie, where okay. it, it follows that where someone is, uh, the, the character is overtaken and, and slowly becomes zombified in that through voodoo they are controlled and no longer in control of themselves. And that's like a long process, and it's drawn out. It's a movie from the 40s, 1943, and I saw it a while ago, but I really enjoyed it, and the idea that that presents is kind of what I was thinking Serpent in the, the Rainbow would go for, that sort of, it's a movie about losing control of yourself. And uh, it's worth it's worth watching in terms of together, first Serpent in the Rainbow, to kind of be like, oh, okay, and then I walked with a zombie. Cool. Spaceballs. It's just a better movie with Bill Pullman, you know. (laughs) And and his character, you know, starts out not really wanting to be the hero, and then he ends up being a hero. And the girl in it uh, does more. She does a lot more. She does a lot more. Here's, you know, because we're here and it organically came up. You mentioned Spaceballs. I'm going to get my high horse for one second. One second. Spaceballs is an amazing movie that doesn't know when the fuck to end. It goes on way too long. I think that's part of the joke of Spaceballs. There is no reason we need to have the xenomorph, hello, my baby, hello, my daughter. That does not need to be in that movie. By the time you get to that thing, you're like, why the fuck am I still watching this thing? Every time I sit under Spaceballs, I'm like, this was a good idea. And the xenomorph starts dancing. I'm like, why am I still here? How is this it, still happening? It's getting a dessert at a restaurant. It's like, yeah. why am I still here at this it's point? It's funny. It's just funny. It's a dessert you didn't ask for, and it's full of nuts. Like, I don't want it. <laughs> I mean, that was at the height of Mel Brooks's, like, popularity. Like, he could do no wrong. So He, he could, could, and he did. And no, it's all didn't. in Spaceballs. No, it's not. I love Spaceballs. I love the movie. But my <laughs> God, it needs to stop. Let's go watch Spaceballs. No! <laughs> it's it's still happening right now. It's still ending right it's, now. When I first watched it as a kid, that cut on VHS is still happening somewhere in a hotel. Because <laughs> the movie just doesn't fucking end. <sighs> I feel much better. I don't have to complain about Spaceballs very often. I haven't often. watched Spaceballs in a long time, though. So I legitimately You've never one. finished it. It's a movie that doesn't end. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm going to do my, my double feature with a movie that has an ending. <laughs> it doesn't include a singing, dancing xenomorph. <laughs> I don't know why that annoys me so much, but it really annoys me. I am fascinated by your annoyance. Uh, 
I'm going to go for another movie that was Wes Craven kind of taking a step out of his uh, comfort zone, if you will. Um, it's still horror-ish, because that's a lot of what he did. Uh, but it was just a straight-up thriller, which he didn't do a lot of. And I, like, after I watched this one, I'm like, he should have done this more. Like, he fucking nailed this movie, and no one saw it. And it was between The Serpent and the Rainbow and then this one, Red Eye, that I was deciding for this week. Uh, Red Eye, I Ooh. thought, was just a great movie with Killian Murphy and Rachel McAfeen, Mac- oh. the Rachel McAdams. It, it, it's very trim to the point. It's just like, yep, scary movie on a plane, thriller. Not You pretty much know the whole thing before you sit down. But it's just solid from beginning to end. Good camera work, good directing, good acting. So if you just kind of see like Wes Craven going, oh, maybe I don't need to do a slasher this week. Maybe I'll go do something else. It's either Surf on the Rainbow or now <laughs> far more in my, my favor, uh, Red Eye. Yeah, I saw that and recently, just, actually, a few no months one ago. likes thrillers anymore, and that movie came out when everyone started to decide they didn't like thrillers anymore. I know, it was bad timing. But John, you saw it. You liked it? Yeah, I enjoyed it quite a, quite a lot, actually. I, did, I only saw like the trailer once. I was like, oh, okay, Wes Craven, thriller, what? Again, what you said, Chewie, just like thrillers were kind of out for me then. So I was like, oh, I'll catch it later. And then the other day, like, well, the other day, months ago, I was like, you know, I'll, I'll try this on a whim. And yeah, a nice, taut thriller, just exciting the whole way through. Loved the leads and it was just really fun. Yeah, it, it, it's, it wasn't built to win awards or to, like win hearts or be anyone's favorite movie, but it's just a solid movie. This is kind of nice. Yeah. So I would probably watch Serpent and the Rainbow first. Because, uh, <laughs> yes. As you might have noticed, we have a lot of complaints. You'll have far less complaints for Red Eye. <laughs> I hope. Uh, so that brings an end to the first week of the horror movie director's B-sides. Uh, as much as we, we might have shit on this movie, I still really enjoyed watching it. Like It was still nice to go back to it now know that I, I don't need to anymore. Um, next week, we're doing something a little bit different. Still horror-ish director. Most of his movies at least have are horror in theme or story, even if they aren't scary movies. They're still like gothic horror. Um, we're doing Guillermo del Toro's Mimic. Yeah. Straight up Mimic. fucking gross monster movie. I'm into it. Yeah. I'm excited, I'm excited for to see it. it. Uh, I've never actually seen it. Uh, as one of those movies where I wanted to see it like when it came out, but I was still kind of a scaredy pants. And I'm like, maybe I won't. Maybe Big Gross Bugs isn't for me right now. Uh, but now in my 30s, it is definitely for me, and I'm very excited to watch it. Kind of annoyed I never got around to it, to be honest, since I love Guillermo del Toro so much. Yeah, kind of in the same boat. Kind of like, well, how, like, as I'm looking at the listing, and I'm like, okay, let's pick, let's, and suggesting it, it's like, how have I not seen this one yet? And then, like, being angry at myself for a while for not. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then we still have two more weeks of the horror month, and I'm not entirely sure what they're both going to be. I'm kind of thinking maybe doing like a, an Argento movie, but like obviously not Suspiria. Um, and I really want to do a, a George A. Romero movie. Uh, I have a few for him that I want to do, and I'm like, I'm not sure which one would be the best one. Uh, I'm leaning, currently, I'm leaning towards the amusement park. Uh, okay. But I'm not 100% sold yet. We'll, we'll kind of see. It's either that or Martin. Uh, both of them are available pretty easily. Uh, I think Amusement Park is on Prime. Martin, Martin? Martin is a uh, vampire film on YouTube. Ooh. And it's totally there legally. So we, oh, can, wow. uh, we can still watch it in the meantime. Um, yeah. I, the tough thing with Argento will be just availability. Because uh, yeah, like his, his stuff of... is great, but always hard to like hard to find if it's not Suspiria. 
Exactly. So it's like, uh, maybe not Argento, but but we'll see. I mean, you think horror movie directors, and it's like his name is usually at the top of most lists, if not number one, uh, right up there with Wes Craven and John Carpenter and everybody. And may- maybe if we can't find enough Argento, we'll do a, a Carpenter movie. Maybe we'll finally do Ghost of Mars. I've made jokes about it on this <laughs> podcast for years, and we've never covered it. Uh, <laughs> I would definitely consider that a B-side. Hey, you know what? That's no actually, one you know, saw it. <laughs> bring it full circle, you know? Oh, fuck. Did we just decide on our fourth movie? Is it, is Which it one was it? Uh, we'll figure out the Romero one later, but we'll do Carpenter. Sorry, Argento. We'll, we'll do a month on you at some point. Mm. But uh, but for now, we're going to do John Carpenter's Ghost of Mars. Uh, I've never seen it. So. I have. Woof. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be fun. You know what? It'll kind of fill the void that, that timeline left us, because we never got around to Donner's timeline. Now we get Carpenter's Ghost of Mars. Mm. <laughs> now we just have to do our Paul Walker month someday and then oh, just do timeline man. all four weeks. <laughs> I mean, I was excited for it until you said that. Like, Paul Walker month. That'll be. F- oh, no, never mind. I'm busy that month. <laughs> uh, all right, let's do a quick round of plugs and then we'll, we'll say uh, goodbye. Uh, we just started up Binge Buddies this morning. We recorded our next two episodes, which were the season one finale and the season one wrap up. Uh, we had a ton of fun recording both of these. Uh, season one of what we do in the shadows is just absolute brilliant television and you're doing yourself a disservice if you haven't watched it and uh, all of us over at who what when where and why we do in the shadows are incredibly excited to start season two because the it just stays awesome so there's a lot of great stuff and then uh, a big congratulations to mr brock holiday over at damage boost for hitting episode 100 uh he's been doing great work this whole time and uh very excited to hear what else he's got to do Oh, yeah, and his most the... recent episode, um, well, not most recent, but there was the one where he talked to Chari 5 about game development, because the guy's making a, a, a video game. Oh, very And they cool. go into video game development, and I was like, oh, this, this is really fascinating. So it's some good stuff to listen to. You guys sh- should yeah. check it out. Yeah, Brock has been crushing it, as always, over at Damage Boost, so always recommend that. Uh, John, what's going on with the, the Demon Days? Uh, we're just getting some scheduling stuff figured out uh, to record a bunch again and kind of get back into a more weekly routine. I'm going to try to get back to weekly. It's just um, with all sorts of work-related things with everybody and scheduling. And, you know, when you work in the industry, uh, scheduling is a big deal. And then when you want to play tabletop as adults, it's a big deal. So we're still figuring that out. Uh, so we're taking a little bit of a break to make a backlog. And then I'm going to move back to weekly, hopefully. Well, you know, there's always a potential strike to free up mm. all of our time. Oh, yeah. Well, it probably won't affect John. Well, not this Johnny it would affect. Oh, uh, Johnny it would affect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it would time. definitely affect uh, the rest of the cast of Demon yeah. Days, for sure. <laughs> yeah, Johnny and Drew will have a whole bunch of time on their hands. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so this will be the uh, Fetter and Yusuf show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Chew, anything to plug? No. Perfect. Uh, Sorry. No, all good. I'm rewatching Medium. That that's no. <laughs> We're not plugging Patricia Arquette's Medium. <laughs> Why not? They had their run. They're good. They they finished. They're good done. Show. I mean, I'm not arguing the quality of the show. I'm arguing its place here in our plug section. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much for coming back and listening to us. We had a lot of fun doing this movie, even if it wasn't very good. Uh, but next week will be a lot more fun with uh, Mimic. Even if it's trash, it'll still be a big bug movie. So I'm into that. Yeah. So bye. Bye. Bye.
Aren't you late, Bozos?